Uh, this morning, we are delighted to have uh, Pastor James Roxborough with us. Uh, just a little background. He's been in the ministry for almost, uh, you can remain standing. Usually we remain standing. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to open up his bio. <laughs> just remain standing for a moment, please. Uh, he's been in the ministry for 50 years. That's, that's a long time. Um, uh, you know, in, uh, back in 1959, <laughs> he was working with the Indian Railways, and he moved, he, and his, he moved to Mumbai, and uh, that, you know, shortly after he got saved, uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, in 1969, so he moved into mini in the, in the ministry uh, around that time, so 1969, he was a founding, one of the founding members of the New Life Churches. In today, New Life Churches in Mumbai, uh, actually spread far across India, they have hundreds of congregations. He was a, one of the founding members when New Life started, along with the missionaries from New Zealand. So this was back in 1969. And uh, so he worked for almost 22 years in Mumbai, many, starting many of these New Life Churches. And uh, then in 1991, he, uh, the, he and his wife moved to Kolkata, where again he spent another 25 years uh, planting churches in Kolkata, West Bengal, Sikkim, Nepal, Jharkhand. And in 2015, January 2015, he and his wife Margaret, they moved to Bangalore. And, uh, you know, amazing thing is this. Uh, Pastor James joins us every month on Wednesdays for our uh, pastor's meetings. He is, Pastor, you're 80, right? 81, whoa. <laughs> Pastor James is 81 years old, but he's so active, so fit. He still goes out on the streets witnessing. He calls our office often and says, please send me the books. I want to distribute it. So I'm just amazed at, you know, his life, his ministry, and uh, the energy he still has, and the passion he has for Jesus Christ at 81. Amen? So let's put our hands together. Welcome, Pastor James. Good morning, church. You may be seated. <clears throat> I'm so happy to be with you this morning. And I believe God has given me a word of encouragement and challenge. And I pray that it will not just be encouragement and challenge, but it will be a prophetic word to the church this morning. And I'm going to share from Nehemiah 1 and 2, a great story a powerful story, and it's a story of restoration, transformation, and revival. And we're going to look at it very briefly and see what God has to say to us this morning. And so let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant 
and the, that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burnt with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days, I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Here was a man, a simple working man, just like most of you. He had a job to do, but he hears the news about the city of Jerusalem and the people in Jerusalem. And that was his concern. That was his love for the city and for the people. And so he asked a question, how is the city? How are the people? And when he heard that the gates of Jerusalem had been burnt and the walls had been broken down, he said, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days. I moaned, I fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Here was a man with passion, passion for God. And that's what God is looking for today. People who have passion for God and love for God. And here's a man who loved the city of Jerusalem. You know, all Jews love the city of Jerusalem. Look at what it says in Psalm, Psalm 137. If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. You know, God wants us to have feeling and love and passion for our city. So Jesus had a love for Jerusalem and he cried out, And said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you even as a hen gathers her chicks. But you would not. And that's the love that Jesus had for Jerusalem. And friends, we can apply this principle to any of our cities. We can apply this principle to our city here. How much do we have concern and love for the city of Bangalore. The city is in ruins. It's in a mess, politically, physically, and every day we hear only bad news and how the bad, bad the roads are, the infrastructures are. But here's a man who had a passion and God is looking for men and women with passion for God and love for the people. And he said, I cried, I mourned, I wept for several days. 
That was his passion. And then he prayed. Let's look, look at his prayer. He says, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands, let your ear be attentive to your, and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, the decrees, the laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instructions you gave to your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them back to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Then they are they your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And I was a cupbearer to the king. You know, this ministry is not just for pastors and leaders. You know who was Nambia? He was a simple bureaucrat. He was a servant of the king. All he had to do was take the cup and give to the king. But that was a very dangerous and important job. Oh, many of us are like this. But he had this passion. And God is looking for men and women with passion for God and love for the people. When we have that, friends, nothing is impossible. And because of this, he prayed. And he says, I prayed day and night for some days. Imagine. He had a full-time job. How could he pray for day and night? Isn't it amazing? Prayer is for the ordinary people of God, not just for pastors and leaders. I was reading the biography. Recently, I was reading the biography of uh, Reese Howells, the intercessor and a revivalist. And you know, he worked in the coal mines 12 hours a day. How do you think he prayed? And here was a man who prays to God. And he cries out to God. For some days, he says, I fasted and mourned. His prayer includes two very important, valuable points here. In verse 6 and 7, he says, 
I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, the decrees, the laws you gave to your servants. You know what he's doing? He's identifying himself with the sins of the people. He said, we have sinned. We have not obeyed your command. And secondly, we read in verse 11. They are your servants, your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty power. Oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, <coughs> the prayer of your servant and to prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor. He was a man. Not only he identified with the sins of the people and his forefathers. He cries out for forgiveness. He confesses the sins. He identifies himself with the sins. And then he is willing to become part of the answer to the problem. And that's amazing. He who intercedes also is the one who intervenes. And that's what God wants, please, in us. Not only intercede, but intervene in that situation. And the question is, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to become part of the answer to our own problems and our situations and our own prayers? You know, for many years we were praying in Bombay, Lord send somebody to Kolkata. And I was praying too. And we said somebody, some good leader should go. And uh, suddenly God says, you go. <laughs> you go. And there was no answer. I had no answer. I had no excuse. I said, okay, God, you are calling us to go. We will go. And we went to Calcutta. We didn't know anybody. Only one person we knew. And he said, come. And most of you know that person. His name is L.T. Jaichandran. He says, come. And we went. We took our luggage gave up, put our luggage in, in the parcel van and next day we took the uh, train. We didn't know where we were going. And we landed in Calcutta. We had no place to stay. And we stayed in the Baptist guest house for three weeks. And that's a bigger story I won't tell you. I won't preach my message. But you know, <laughs> he became part of the answer to his own prayer. And when we pray for the city of Bangalore, are we willing to do that? 
That's what God is asking. He prayed. He began to praise the Lord. He began to confess. He repented. And then he says, God, give me success with this man. He knew now the time had come. God has answered his prayer and he is going to meet the king. He says, I was just a cupbearer. But you know, his next drink, drink, tasting that wine, might have been the, his last one. Because you can see he was a man of integrity and honesty. And that's why God chose him. And that's what God is looking for. Men and women of honesty and integrity in the kingdom of God. And that's what God is looking for today in the, his kingdom and his church. That he can take them and use them and do something for them. He was an ordinary marketplace man. And that's like you and me, all of us here. See, the kingdom of God... And the ministry of God is not just for the pastors and leaders and evangelists and apostles and teachers. It's for the whole body of Christ. Amen? And God wants the whole body to be involved in the ministry. And so, he goes to the king. Chapter 2, verse 1. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad? When you are not ill, can this be nothing but the sadness of heart? In the month of Nisan. When did he get the news? In verse 1, in the month of Kislev. You know how many months have passed? Month of Kislev is the ninth month. Month of Nisan is the first month. How many months has he has been praying? Four months. It's not easy. He had a full-time job. And he says, I'm praying day and night. Friends, we want answers to our prayers. We want to see the city changed. Church, we need to pray. But not only he was praying, but he was also planning. He was praying and planning. 
He had a passion. He prayed and he planned. And this is what we see here. The king comes to him. He takes the cup to the king. And the king asks him, why are you so sad? This is nothing but the sadness of the heart. You see, friends, when we have a burden, we are carrying a burden for God, it will be visible on our face. And it was vis visible. He says, why are you sad? And then the answer comes. He says, why I shouldn't be sad? Verse 3, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should, I, should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? He tells why he was sad. He was not afraid. He said, I was afraid to tell the king, but actually he wasn't afraid. He told him. See? He was planning all this time. And the king says, what is it you want? I like that answer. What is it you want? King, the king gives him a blank check. <laughs> Come on, tell me what you want, man. I'll give it to you. You know, that's our God, friends. That's our God. He's the king, the majesty on high. And we are willing to do his will and fulfill his purposes. There's nothing impossible. He will fill us, Lord, for whatever we need to do the ministry and the work of God and extend the God's kingdom. See, the principles of this Nehemiah's method can be used anywhere, any church, any city in the world. only needs people who have a passion and who pray and, who, and then he comes up with a very big plan hallelujah big plan look at him what he says verse 4 the kings asked him king asked him what is it you want then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. Hallelujah. That was his plan. A big, big vision a planned vision not just airy fairy you know oh this is a vision this is a vision no planned vision and he tells him tells the king what he wants and what he wants to do that was put in his heart by God because he prayed he had a passion Verse 6, 
Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take? And when will you get back? And it, it pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. It's just not a vision, but he had a time-bound vision. It was a long-term, time-bound vision. And that's what God is looking for in the people of God, in the churches. See, when we started New Life Fellowship, 50 years ago, there were only about a dozen of us. There was no move of God. There was no other churches except the, what you call the denominational churches. There's no Pentecostal church except few South Indian. No charismatic churches. And we began by about a dozen people. But today, there are hundreds of churches. And I can say thousands of churches because many went out of new life and started their own church. And that's good. Praise God. I am for the kingdom of God, not for denominations. Amen? God is looking for you, to you and me, to extend his kingdom in this nation. You know, Pastor Joseph, every day, every church, Sunday, every meeting, he will talk about the vision, 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 vision. People used to get fed up. <laughs> we will get fed up. But he had this huh, vision burning in his heart. Not just for the city of Bombay, but the nation. And today new life is spread all over India. Most parts of India. See how important is a long-term planned vision. And that's what Nehemiah had. He said, I set a time. This was time bound. So he told the king when he'll come back. I don't, you don't know how, you know how long it took him. Read the book of Nehemiah. <laughs> king thought he'll, he'll come back soon. You know, he didn't want to miss this guy who was so honest. He was tasting his wine every day and giving him, see that the king, nobody kills the king or, uh, you know, murders him. So king and the queen both are very anxious. He says, when you'll come back? And then he says, I set a time. Remember, he was just like you and me, ordinary working class person.
Let's go on further. Verse 7, I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to governors of trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah? And may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of king's forest, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of God was upon me, the king granted my request. See, before he went before, before the king, he had planned it all, what he's going to tell him. He said, I want all these things. King already said, what do you want? You know, when we do things for God, and it's God's purpose and plan, there won't be any shortage. Amen? There won't be any shortage. I know you are building a facility. I'm telling you there won't be any shortage. Amen? Because it's in the purpose of God. And so, it's, it's, it's an amazing story. It's so amazing. You know, if I was a film director, I would have made a film on, the, on this <laughs> real movie. It's, it's an amazing, amazing story. Read the book of Nehemiah again and again. See what God says to you. And so, verse 9. And so I went to the governor of Trans-Euphrates and gave him the king's letters. And the king... Look at this, look at this man. And the king had also sent army of officers and cavalry with me. Hallelujah. You know what's, what we call this in India? Z plus security. <laughs> the VIPs have Z plus security. And here the king gives him Z plus security. All the way from Babylon to Jerusalem, 900 miles. Imagine how long it must have taken that. If God is for us, friends, he will give us success. And nothing can stop God's work. So we can use these principles for our city. So he goes and he lives in the city. But remember, friends, it's never without opposition. Just remember that. Look what it says. Verse 10. And when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite officials heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of Israel. Be ready for persecution. Be ready for opposition. 
but God will give us success. You can read the story of Nehemiah. What opposition he had. What threats he had. But he says, our God will give us success. Amen. Our God will give us success. Everybody. Our God will give us success. Then he goes. He says, verse 11. I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with few men. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except one I was riding. By night I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate, examining, mark that word, examining the walls of Jerusalem which had been broken down and at gates which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone and what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. He was very, very meticulous. He took detailed survey of the damage, the destruction that had been done to the walls of Jerusalem. He himself wanted to know. Unless, until he knew what the problem was, he could not tell and give others the problem. So first he examined, he surveyed. And he said, I did not tell anyone about it. And finally, verse 17, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and we will not, no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of God upon me and what the king had said to me. Now the time is come to pass the vision on to those leaders who would be with him. He was looking for men who would grasp the vision, who will cast that vision and run with it. He wanted committed men. Leaders who would be with him and stand 100%, doesn't matter what happens. And he passes the vision to them. And then what happens? 
he says let us rebuild the walls of jerusalem and they replied let us start rebuilding so they began to do this good work see they caught the vision he passed on the vision they caught the vision and then is they said let us start rebuilding see something was happening now people were catching it people must catch the vision the leadership must catch that vision and the priests and the nobles all joined him they said let us start rebuildings so they began to do this good work friends this is what god wants us this church has a vision and god wants those who will run with the vision who will be standing there ready to do what god has called us to do there's nothing impossible friends city can be changed bangalore can be changed you know when i first started my church i went to a place called borivali i don't know anybody knows borivali here in mumbai it was a desert nothing was there there were no taxis there were no rickshaws only private taxis and horse carts and right in the jungle i went at one of the suburbs of bombay can you imagine in 1973 and me and my wife went no church and we started there and you know today there are dozens of churches not only new life church but other churches god has called us friends to run with the vision and sow the seed you know what paul says i sowed the seed apollos watered it god gave the increase it's amazing god's word never dies all i did was to sow the seed but others came in and today there are so many churches after that i went to chembur another place and they used to call it gas chamber because the refinery was there <laughs> you know it was nothing like pollution was nothing like this in the city actually those days and then i started a church there there were maybe one or two churches today there are so many churches i'll hand it over to somebody else 
I went to New Bombay. New Bombay was just starting. That, I, that was the first church I started. And today, the same church is being pastored by Pastor Joseph's son. And there are dozens of churches in New Bombay. Nothing can stop the kingdom of God. You have to run with the vision. And here the people come and says, tells Nehemiah, come on, let us start rebuilding. And you know what happens? Read it in chapter 3. It becomes people's movement. This church is called All People's Church. I like that. I like that. Really. All People's Church. And here we find in chapter 3, All People's Movement. God's not looking for denominations. He's looking for a movement. You see, Movement of the Holy Spirit. Of course, there'll be opposition. He faced so much opposition, friends. But nothing can stop God's movement of the Holy Spirit. See, let's go on. Chapter 2. Verse 19. But when Sanballat and Hor the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite, the officials, and Gishem, the Arab, heard about it, they mocked, ridiculed us. What is this you're doing? They asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or claim or historic right. God of heaven will give us success. But you guys have no share. Be ready for persecution. Be ready for opposition. But God will give us success. Amen. And if you go to chapter 3, you'll find every person joins the movement. It becomes a mighty move of God. And when it becomes a mighty move of God, nothing can stop. Every person joined that movement. Read it. Every, every one built their part. They were perfumers. They were Levites, they were, uh, what do you call, <clears throat> gold, goldsmiths, they were merchants. Everybody was involved. And when everybody gets involved, it becomes a mighty movement. And that's what happened in Bombay. Love opposition. You know, the first opposition came from so-called Christians. And that was a Catholic church. Don't go to new life. They will convert you. But you know what happened? The charismatic move came to the Catholic church in Bombay through new life. Hallelujah, you see? God has the last laugh. <laughs> Wonderful. One of our leader's wife was having a baby 
in the Holy Family Hospital. And as she was there in the hospital, she used to sing all these songs, those, those days, scripture songs and all that, you know. And uh, the nuns were asking, where, how you sing this song? How, where did you get these songs? And they wanted to know. And she shared Jesus. And the nuns got filled in the Holy Spirit. And then the Catholic charismatic movement started in Bombay. Hallelujah. God has the last laugh. Amen. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? And so everybody got involved. Finally, I want to cut short now. Go to chapter 6. So the wall was completed, chapter 6, verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul. In the 52 days, amen, when all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. In the month of Elul. Remember he left Babylon in the month of Nisan. Now it's month of Elul. It's six months have passed. He must have taken a long time from Babylon 900 miles to Jerusalem but in within 52 days they built the wall when under Zerubbabel it took 70 years and still they could not build it here's a man who builds it in 72 days you know why 52 days you know why because of the people because it was a people's movement and people's power. Hallelujah. God's looking for people's movement, people's power. And when there's people's movement, people's power, God's power is there to accomplish it. And he says, we've done this with help of God. All the glory goes to God. He doesn't take the glory. He gives the glory to God. Friends, this is a story of guts, grit, and glory. The glory of God. Amen? God bless you. I'm finished. <laughs> Thank you so much, Pastor James. I just call our worship team up. Why don't we just stand up to our feet and take a few moments. I want you to see what God is speaking to your heart, what he wants you to do. As Pastor James said, you know, it's a prophetic word, a word 
that God is speaking to us in the now, something God wants each of us to do. I want you to take a moment. How would you respond to what God is saying? What is God speaking to you uh, this morning? Uh, take a moment to respond. Also, I just want to um, call our ministry team up, our life group leaders, if you're ready, just come up and be available here. If, you need, if people need prayer, they can come to you. So uh, life group leaders, uh, if you are ready, you come up, stand here. Uh, just uh, be away. make yourself available to pray for people uh, during this time. Let's take a few moments. Just you wait on God uh, as, um, as our worship team leads us. And uh, let's just uh, pray. Father, we just thank you for what we heard this morning, God. And I just ask that you will stir our hearts up. What are you speaking to us? What are you saying to us this morning? What is it that you're calling each one of us to do for your kingdom, for your, for the city, for this nation? What are you calling us to do? What are you putting it in our hearts, putting in our hearts to do? Speak to us. Thank you. Come, life group leaders, just stand here. Make yourself available. If you need prayer, our life group leaders will be here. Just make yourselves available, please. Uh, just come forward. If you need healing, you you want just to be ministered to, uh, they'll be here to pray with you. Uh, just, just come to any of them. Our ushers will guide you. Just come to any of them and they'll minister. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Your presence is all I need, all I want, all I seek and without it. Without it, there's no meaning. Presence is the air I breathe, the song I sing, the love I need. And without it, without it, I'm not living. So I will The 
thank you for speaking to us this morning and we pray Father even as we go from here that, that this word will continue to minister to us and that God that many of us will be moved into action, be moved God to do things that will advance your kingdom in this city and in this nation. And whatever way you've called us and whatever way you've appointed for us, maybe move into it. May each of us, God, be people who would, in one way or another, cause your kingdom to expand in our city and in our nation. Empower each one by, the, by your Holy Spirit to do this. Raise us up, O oh God, to be Nehemiahs in our day, in our time. Raise us up to be people who will hear from heaven and will do what you want us to do. We thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to close, and uh, if you still need prayer, you're almost, anyone, you're welcome to come. Our life group leaders will be here for a few more minutes, and they'll be available to pray with you. Let's just close, please. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each of us always. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, TV programs, publications, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, please visit apcwo.org slash Bible College. Please remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the app or Google Play stores.